Amen, amen. Can we give God glory again? Come on, give him praise. He's so great. Gosh, God is amazing. Such an awesome time of worship. It's good to see everybody. Y'all doing all right tonight? We're good? Amen, all right, all right. Uh, so, yeah, what's up? My name is uh, Kev. If those of you, for those, wow, can't talk. For those of you that are new, my name is Kev. Thank you for coming. We're so, so glad that you're here. For, for those of you that are veterans, welcome back. Um, so, yeah, as you can tell, tonight we start our new series uh, called Battle. Can everybody just give me a oorah? Love it. Uh, y'all, it's going to be awesome. So excited about this. Uh, we've been in much prayer over, over this, uh, this series. Um, so check it out. We're going to be covering quite a bit of territory. So with that, let's get right to it. Amen? Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about tonight what I believe um, is where most, if not all, battles are fought. Tonight we're going to be talking about the battle of the mind. So please grab your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let's get right to it, y'all. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You know, we will also be going through um, a lot of different scripture, but to start, <clears throat> we're going to read this classic, powerful moment in God's word where we see right from the get-go the battle of the mind. Here we go, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the testing you may discern, um, that, I'm sorry, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen? Uh, before we dive all the way in, let's, let's pray one more time together. Ask God to bless this time and his word. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing here at Everlast. God, you're on the move, and it's just so awesome to be a part of this. And, and uh, God, you're awesome. We're so grateful that you care for us. Tonight, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what it means to fight well. Please teach and show us in your word, God, on how to wage war well in our mind, in our minds. Please continue to speak to us, God, as we continue in our worship through your word. Help us surrender all of our thoughts and affections to you. And now I just encourage, just where you're at, pray for your own heart. Say, God, would you speak to me tonight? Just pray that for your heart. And now I'd ask you and encourage you, pray for the person on your left and right. It doesn't matter if you know them or not. It's important that we're a young adult ministry that prays for each other. Pray to say, God, speak to them tonight. And lastly, I just kindly ask that you would pray for me, that God would use me tonight to, you know, make things helpful and clear to you. Well, Father, speak to us now. We are listening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. June 6, 1944, 
was one of the most treacherous days as well as the most victorious days of our history. The D-Day invasion or Normandy landings, rather, uh, were the landing operations um, of the Allied forces as, as part of, um, it was called Operation Overlord in World War II. Um, these landings began on June 6, 1944. And they marked the beginning of the liberation um, of a German-occupied Western Europe from, from Nazi control. The invasion involved a series of military um, beach landings along the coast of, of, of Normandy. Normandy, And y'all, this, um, this has since been known as the largest seaborne invasion in history. Um, the battle also involved, involved a, a massive airborne uh, invasion. Uh, the D-Day invasion, y'all, it took years of planning. Years of planning. And in the months leading up to it, the Allies began, you know, a military, uh, dis they, they began a deception strategy known as Operation Bodyguard. Um, this, opera this operation was intended to mislead German forces as to when the exact day and location of this, of, you know, the suspected invasion was going to be. Those, pl those planning uh, the invasion determined specific weather conditions, y'all. They, 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 uh, they based on, uh, uh, it was based on moon phases, time of the day, you know, the, 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 the ocean tides. Um, that would be most ideal for a successful invasion. Um, when the appointed time, though, of the invasion came, the weather was far from, uh, from these conditions. And the invasion actually was pushed back a whole day. On the morning of D-Day, y'all, paratroopers and glider troops um, were sent behind enemy lines by, y'all, by the thousands. And th their purpose was to secure bridges and, and, and you know, different certain um, exit roads. Then at 6.30 in the morning, the beach landings began. By the end of the day, over, y'all, 150,000 Allied troops had successively, successfully stormed and captured Normandy's beaches. Let me reiterate that. Over 150,000 Allied troops successfully stormed and captured Normandy. But y'all, at a very, very high price. By some estimates, over 4,000 Man, 4,000 of the Allied forces lost their lives. Thousands were, I'm sorry, actually, yeah, thousands more were even recorded as wounded or, or even missing. The D-Day invasion is significant um, in history for the role it played in World War II. It's, it's so significant. It literally marked the turn of the tide for the control maintained by Nazi Germany. Less than a year after the invasion, less than a whole year, less than a year after the invasion, um, the Allies formally accepted Nazi Germany's surrender. The Allied forces stormed these beaches, y'all, at great sacrifice and great cost. Why? To establish a beachhead. Y'all, almost, almost, um, it was... Almost 7,000, 7,000 ships and landing vessels arrived with 
hundreds of thousands of troops, tens of thousands of pieces of armor, and a hundred thousand tons of equipment. They were all brought in to free a nation and, and, and to change, honestly, the destiny of the, of the entire world. Why? Well, because some valiant people paid the highest price to establish a beachhead. Once they did, everybody else knew that there's, there was still a war to be fought, yes. But they were now good to come to the beachhead of victory. And from this one victory, they could move out into the fight. Because of those brave men, the remaining U.S. troops and the Allied forces as a whole, y'all, were able to operate. They were able to operate from a place of victory already. Wow. Just wow. Everlast, let me just flat out and say it without even diving into tonight much yet. Um, Y'all, this is, this is our story too. What do you mean, Kev? Well, Jesus, y'all, Jesus, he made a way for us. He is the victorious one. There was a war that was waged on the cross, and that war was fought and won. He created a beachhead for us so that we can um, battle already from a place of victory. Isn't that just amazing? 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all need to know this in your bones, what I'm about to say. Jesus' victory is our or your victory. You need to know that in your bones. Jesus' victory is our victory. It's your victory. If we can get, y'all, if we can get our minds right and really, really think this way, we can literally win any battle. Literally. Especially, especially the battle of the mind. Especially that. Because at the end of the day, y'all, I want y'all to know this. Battles are more internal than they are external. Can I get a witness to that? Here's the truth. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Think about that. Pun intended. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So to continue thinking and continue, continuing the pun, check it out. If you're single and you want to be in a relationship with someone, you're going to be thinking about that a whole lot. And you're, <laughs> some people are like, yeah, I so heard that. Amen. Literally, your, 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 life will, and your life will inevitably move in that direction. You will think about what kind of shape you're in, or rather what kind of shape you want to be in, right? You'll think about what you should wear. You'll think about how often, you know, you should wear that outfit. You'll think about how and when you should spend your money, et cetera, et cetera. This applies, y'all, to pretty much anything. This applies to pretty much anything. If you want a promotion, your thoughts are going to be very strong in that direction. If, if you're engaged and you're planning a wedding, Tina and I are literally doing premarital counseling with a couple here at Everlast. Marcos and Molly, they're getting married soon. Amen. Celebrate that. Amen. Yes. 
Hey-o. Uh, but you're planning a wedding, and so it, whenever you're in that boat, your thoughts are just consumed by wedding planning. You're thinking about it. You know, you're, you're going to be strong in that direction. If, if, if you're married and you, desire to have, and you desire to be parents, your thoughts will be strong in that direction. If you want a newer car, phone, or whatever, your thoughts are going to be in that direction, strong in that direction. Ultimately, I would say this, y'all. The life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. In other words, well, I'll just say it again. The life we have is a, reflect, is a reflection of the thoughts we think. In other words, uh, what or how we think determines who we will become. What or how we think determines who we will become. I love this proverb. Proverbs uh, 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If you, can, y'all, if you continuously think, I can't do this, I can't do this, I don't have what it takes. If you think you can't, well then you probably won't. This is super practical here. If you think you can, by the grace of God, you probably will. So, okay, but I need y'all to hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not a message of just think and it will happen how you want it to go. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. This is simply putting a magnifying glass to how we think and how the word instructs us to think. I used to play baseball back in the day, and if I went up to the plate, or you, whatever, if you go up to the plate and you think, man, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to hit this. There's no way. Man, I'm going to strike out. I'm going to strike out. I'm not going to hit this ball. I'm going to strike out. What's probably going to happen? You're going to strike out. I mean, it's not rocket science. Here's a truth pill that we all need to swallow tonight. Me too. It's honestly very simple. If you dwell on your problems, Everlast, your problems are going to overwhelm you. If you dwell on your problems, your problems are going to overwhelm you. But instead, if you look... If you look, y'all, listen, if you, if you look for some, some solutions, if you believe you can have faith, you'll, and you, you'll find some solutions, and you, y'all, y'all you'll, you'll see your faith arise. I love this passage, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse 8, I love this. Listen close. Be sober minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour verse 9 resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are are, are being experienced by your brother throughout the world (coughs) excuse me you see y'all we we have an enemy that that likes to take advantage of weakness have you have y'all ever watched National Geographic? Yes. Does check this out? Does a pride of lions do they hunt um, a herd of wildebeest, or do they single out one? Do they do they single out the strongest or the weakest? Y'all, this is why Peter, like we just read, First Peter five, instructs us to be sober minded, to resist the enemy, firm in your faith. 
He didn't say soft or weak in your faith. He said firm, firm in your faith. Listen, if you always feel like you're a victim, chances are you will most likely become a victim. If that's the propensity of your thinking, that's what's most likely going to happen. If, if instead you believe that you can overcome by the power of Christ within you, you can overcome. Romans 8, 37 through 39. 30, listen to this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. That's what's crazy. A conqueror is already a conqueror, right? He conquered. But more than a conqueror? That's nuts. That's crazy. No, in all these things, you, we are more than conquerors through him, through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. It's amazing. Y'all, it's crazy how we can so easily think ourselves to death. I mean, really, we think, 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 think. And before we know it, we have thought all the way to where we freeze up, you know, and our emotions, even our understanding, or even our belief in God is kind of frozen. I heard it, I heard it once said like this, your analysis can lead to paralysis. Your analysis can lead to paralysis. Y'all, and I, 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 woo, I totally agree with that. Let's, so let's just take a moment and stop it. To think about what you think about. Can we do that? Just take a moment. We're just going to stop and think about what you think about. I want to do an exercise together tonight. Super simple. I want to do a good old scale of 1 to 10 exercise. All right? My, my wife, Tina, and I, we use this scale for pretty much anything. Um, you know, like rating or examining a movie or whatever we just watched or a restaurant we ate at. Pretty much anything. So just simply to yourself right now, to yourself, Think about where you are at in this scale. Are you characterized by worried thoughts, panic, anxiety, fear? Or would you say that your thoughts are typically characterized by uh, being full of peace? We'll start, we'll start on, uh, yes, the left side. We'll start on the left side. Do you tend to wake up and have your mind drift toward fear? You know, what, what could go wrong? Um, um, I'm worried about my relationship. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my, my finances. I'm worried about the state of the world and where the, the direction of the world is going in. And our country's out of control. Ah, you know, I'm worried. Do, do you find your mind is more characterized by worried thoughts? Or even if things are bad and complicated, do you find yourself casting your cares upon God? And recognizing that there is a peace that goes beyond all human ability to understand. Do you sense his presence and his goodness? Do you, do you know his spirit is, is with you and brings you confidence even amidst the hard and even when things aren't going the way that you want? What would you say if you're auditing or rather ins inspecting your thoughts, are you more characterized by worry or, or by peaceful thoughts? Okay, a second category would be this. Let's continue the exercise. Do your thoughts drift toward the negative 
or do they drift towards the positive? Do you wake up and find yourself like, ugh? Like literally, that's the sound you make, ugh. You know, ugh. Just begrudgingly, ugh. Do you find yourself, listen to this, do you find yourself being quickly critical of people? Do you always assume the worst instead of believing the best? When someone texts you this, hey, hope you're doing well, can we talk? Do you instantly think it's going to be like a bad talk? I can testify with that. Yeah. Do, do you look at your day and, and say, oh, it's going to be hard. This day is going to suck. It's going to be bad. Times are tough. I'm always so freaking busy. There's not enough time for me to go around and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know? Is that, is, that, is that where your thoughts drift? Are these the kind of thoughts you predominantly have? Or do you wake up with the positive? Faith. And again, even... Listen, again, even if things are difficult, even if things are difficult, you say, you know what? Christ is with me. Christ is with me. He helps me overcome. And things may be difficult in the world, but I know God. I know the God of the universe. I have a relationship with him. And he, he is working in all things to bring about good to those who are called according to his purpose. Again, what are, what are your thoughts more characterized by, negative or positive? And la- this is a third category. Lastly, let's look at this. Ask yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 when it comes to what you think about, are your thoughts more worldly or are they toward the things of the world? I'm sorry. Are, are they more worldly? Are they toward the things of this world that are completely temporary? Like that's the way to go. Are, are, you, are your thoughts towards the temporary? Or do they lean towards what lasts forever? Your thoughts, y'all, your thoughts very well may be worldly. If worldly, this is where your thoughts, yeah, this is what your thoughts are consumed with. Your thoughts are consumed with what you have, what you don't have, what you wear, what you look like. Who liked your post? How many followers you have? How much money's in the bank? What every person thinks about you? Or does your thoughts lean more toward the eternal? How to get that right? Do you think about your y'all check this out? Do you think about your life as a gift that God has given you to steward? Do you think about the spiritual gifts that He gave you to use? Do you think about all you have is actually to be invested and given to make a difference in the lives of the people around you? Do you think about when everything else burns and fades away that your life will count eternally? Do you think about how your life was literally created for the glory of God? Everlast, I'm telling y'all, what we think about means more than you could ever imagine. What comes into your mind naturally comes out in your life. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Can I just be bold with you for a second? Look at me real quick, if I can have some eyeballs. Stop thinking weak. Stop. Like, everlasting. You, you, if you place your faith in Jesus, like, you have power. Think like the victory has already been won, because it has. Because something else that you need to know is that there isn't a victory, y'all, without opposition. And y'all, we do have opposition. We have an enemy that works very hard to bring us down. He's been here a lot longer than us. We have an enemy that works very hard to build strongholds brick by brick. We have an enemy that will tell lies after lies to get your thoughts off of the victory of Christ that, that, that Christ has won and rather onto defeat. We have an enemy that will try to spoil what hasn't even had time to ripen. We have an enemy that will use whatever he can to get us to not think well at all. He has been doing it from the beginning. Check it out, Genesis 3, 1 through 7. You can turn there in your word real quick. It's not going to be on the screen. It's quite a bit. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. I'm going to read if you turn there. It's always helpful to do it on the phone. It's a lot quicker, I feel like. Boop. But amen. He's been doing it from the beginning. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? We see here the attitude, right? The accusation, the, the lying nature of our enemy. Did God actually say that? Really? Let's keep, I'm going to keep reading verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So Eve answered right. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And, and, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight, to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took up its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was not being a leader, who was being incredibly passive, and not actively leading his bride. Just wanted to add that in there. Gave it to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Y'all, what, the, what did the enemy just, what did he, what did he do in the Garden of Eden? What did he do? You, you can see, we just read, he didn't immediately come out and say, eat the fruit, eat the fruit, eat the fruit. He didn't do that. No, he planted a seed of doubt in her mind. Basically saying, Eve, God's holding out on you. God can't be trusted, and maybe God's intentions aren't that good. 
Now, Everlast, we, <laughs> we don't really know the timeline that worked out here. We do know that in six days, God created, right? On the seventh, he rested. Um, we sort of assume that like at 9.15 in the morning, the serpent came to Eve, and by 11.30 a.m., she had already eaten the apple, and everything fell apart and unraveled by lunchtime on the eighth day. But, but, we, don't, but we don't know that. It could have been that the serpent came, planted a seed in her mind. A day went by. A week went by. A month went by. A season went by. Where she was looking at that tree every day. Like every single day, she was looking at that tree going, I don't know, maybe, maybe God is holding out on me. She was looking at that tree, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe God can't be trusted. Maybe it, I don't know, maybe his intentions aren't, aren't, really aren't that good. The seed that, y'all, the seed that he planted eventually took hold. And she did what we do. She acted out what she had been thinking about. She acted out what she had been thinking about. She took the fruit of the tree and she ate it and did the exact thing God commanded not to do. And this makes me wonder, y'all, this makes me wonder tonight, what seed or thought has the enemy planted in your mind? What thought, like, like right now, like what thought, like right now, in your mind is planted there by the serpent who is craftier than all the creatures like we just read? Is it a thought that says, I can't? Is it a thought that when you saw our promo bumper video on Instagram, or I think, yeah, we posted it earlier, we call it, you know, it's called Battle, you know, or, or you saw it right before this sermon, you know? Is it a thought that when you saw that, and that, that, that seed is planted in your mind that already says, huh, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. I mean, I'm here at Everlast, I'm in the building, but I already have a seed planted of doubt, and this isn't just going to work, it's not going to work for me. I can't battle, I'm weak, I'm nothing. Maybe, maybe that thought sounds like, yeah, yeah, I'm weak. Or maybe that seed that has been planted meets actually like, imagine it meeting halfway in the middle, right? Maybe the thought that the enemy planted in your mind everlast is, hey, learning about, you know, battle, how to battle well, and the victory that Jesus has given us or given you, maybe, maybe it might help a little, but, but don't get your hopes up. Because whatever change comes, it's not going to last because it never lasts with you. A thought could also say you are a failure. That could be a thought. That could be a seed planted. Or maybe on the flip side, he, 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 he planted a thought in your mind that said something like, you deserve all the success. It's all yours. Take it. Maybe he planted a thought in your mind that just said you are not enough. You see, our enemy knows that, again, y'all, the battle isn't external. It is internal. He knows that. The battle isn't external, it's internal. He knows that if he can lodge just a thought in your thinking that it will eventually settle in your heart. He wants it, he wants it to go unchecked. He wants it to go unchecked. He wants you not, yeah, he wants you to not just entertain the thought, but to dwell on that thought. So that maybe in a day, or could be a week, could be a month. Could be a season. Y'all, honestly, 
He doesn't mind waiting out a whole lifetime. His goal is to get you in time to act on that thought. You may be saying, whoa, come on, Kev, it's just a thought. It just went through my mind. It's just a scenario I'm playing out in my mind. You know, just passed through. Y'all, this kind of thing honestly always happens all the time, even specifically with lust or sexual morality as a whole. And by the way, this is not just a guy thing. This is both men and women. Y'all have the propensity to entertain a thought when it comes to lust. You know, it's not porn. It's just someone in a bathing suit. Y'all, we are so prone. Gosh, I am so prone to minimize the sin or even justify the sin. This also applies in dating. It's, it's crazy, y'all, that we'll, we'll like, in dating, you know, um, we'll, we'll draw boundaries, you know. We will draw a line in the sand knowing that Jesus is bigger and better than anything that sin has to offer. This isn't legalism. This is knowing that God has best for you. He loves you. And, you know, what's crazy is we'll, 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 we'll push those boundaries. Why? Well, because we entertain or host the thought of, I've got this. I've got it. Which everlasts, y'all, that's one of the biggest lies the enemy uses and feeds to you. For you to say, I've got this. That implies that you don't need Jesus and you can handle the battle on your own. Wrong. Wrong. I can't tell you how many times in my life where I've, I've unfortunately said that. I've got this. I'm telling you, if your thoughts are not held captive, they can literally destroy your life. There's been many times in my life where I've let the seed that the enemy whispered in my ear take root. So, but hear me. <laughs> what we want to do in this series is to focus on Christ. Yeah, we're talking about our enemy, but he's not the focus. Let's, we, we want to focus on Jesus. We focus on him. The focus is not on darkness. The focus is on light. The focus is not on defeat. The focus is on victory that Jesus established and offers to you. We just, like we just, we literally just read in Peter, we are called to be sober-minded and aware of our enemy. That's what we're called to do. Ask any boxer, wrestler, uh, wrestler or, or UFC fighter, y'all, or shoot, any sport. Like, honestly, they, they are aware of their opponents. This is so that they can stand firm and fight well and fight smart. To reiterate what we read earlier, 2 Corinthians 10.5, check it out, I think it's on the screen for you. We destroy, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, <clears throat> how, how do you take every thought captive? Like, what is that? How do you, what, how, what is that? How do you do that? I want to give you three things, y'all. I want to give you three things. And I want you to write this down. I want you to write these three things down. If you've got your notes app on your phone or whatever. Because honestly, these could very well save your life. I'm not saying that to over-exaggerate a point. It is what it is. Listen, it, this isn't just a new series for a new series sake. Y'all, battle is quite possibly one of the most important things we can walk through at, at Everlast. Because we're talking about how to operate from a place of victory like in life. Not just this next month. 
I want you all to hear this. You, you have the capacity in Christ to win the battle of your mind. Know that. Know that. You have the capacity in Christ to win the battle of your mind. Here's the number one. Identify the thought. Identify the thought. When you're operating day in and day out and a thought passes through your mind, y'all, it is super important that you identify what kind of thought it was and also where it came from. Excuse me. Let's, let's, Let's play this battle of the mind scenario out. A thought comes in. It says to you, you're worthless. You respond with, really? Why do you say that? The thought responds back with, well, look at you. You're pathetic. You respond back with, well, I mean, you don't have to say it like that. What do you expect of me? I mean, you you know what I've been through, right? I I deserve to be pathetic. If you've been through what I've been through, you'd be pathetic too. Show me a little mercy here. Have some compassion. I mean, y'all, we we literally just host the thought. We're basically telling this thought that we want to hang out. You know, just grab a cup of coffee. I hate coffee. But we do it. Just hanging out and just spending all sorts of time together. No, this is what you need to say first, Everlast. Listen, thought, before you pitch a tent and start a little campfire to hang out with me, why don't we figure something out first? Let's talk. Number one, where did you come from? Number two, are you congruent with the word of God? Stand firm, y'all. Be bold. Two simple questions. Where did you come from? Well, I just want you to, to let you know that, that you're pathetic. And, and, and I know you knew that you were already pathetic. But I just want to remind you, don't you feel pathetic? And you respond, well, actually, yeah, I feel pretty lousy right now. Exactly. <laughs> this, this, is, this is where you ask this question to the thought. Does my heavenly father think I'm pathetic? Everlast, Jesus ran into the battle to establish a beachhead for you called victory. He took all the bullets. He shed his blood for you. So that you could, uh, not, yeah, stand, but you could come through him and stand in victory. So that God wants to know that you're pathetic? Wrong. Wrong. So I know right away you didn't come from God. You didn't come from my God. So you might want to not get that tent out so quickly. (laughs) Again, number two, are you congruent with the word of God? God's word says, I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king. That's what God's word says. And sons and daughters of the king are not pathetic in the eyes of God. So A, you didn't come from God, and B, you don't match up with the Word of God. So the number two thing I'm going to ask you to write down is this. You have to bind it in the name of Jesus. Bind it with the Word of truth. That sounds crazy, right? Oh yeah, real crazy. The enemy wants to come pitch a tent in your mind, and you're going to bind it with the Word of truth. That's not crazy at all, y'all. It's called standing firm. It's called being bold. Guys, we have to use the name that is power. We have to use the name that is all authority. You have got to use the name that the demons fear. 
Not our name, his name. Jesus. You've got to say right away, you didn't come from God and you don't match up with the word of God. So therefore, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I bind this thought. Let it go back to the pit of hell where it came from. Bound up in Jesus' name. This is literally what is called taking the authority and victory that Jesus established for us everlasting. This is what taking every thought captive to obedience, to the obedience of Jesus. It's what that looks like. Because at the end of the day, one of two things is going to happen. The thought is either going to bind you up or you're going to bind it up. This literally happened to Jesus. Literally happened to Jesus. The devil came in hot with missiles towards him while he was weak. He was in the desert, fasted 40 days, 40 nights. Telling Jesus, and the enemy said this, turn the stones into bread. Jump off the top of this temple. Make a big show and watch the angels rescue you. Let everybody know how great you are. And then, hey, check it out. You, you, don't, you don't have to go to the cross. If you just bow down right here and worship me, it will all be better. I'm the prince of the power of the air. I'll give you control of everything that you see, Jesus. Jesus is like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to crush your head. You don't understand. I'm going to shut you up. You don't understand, I'm here on a mission from the very first word spoken to you in the Garden of Eden. You don't understand, yeah, you're about to give me some body blows, but I'm going to take you out. Everlast, how did he do this? He did it with the word of truth. He bound every lie with truth. Holding thoughts captive. In essence, send it into that. Bind it. Captive. He responded, this is what Jesus did. He, Jesus responded to all that with, Men won't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It says, don't put your God to the test. It says, love the Lord your God and worship him only. I'm binding you up, Satan, with truth. John Piper says this. He says, take your stand on the bedrock of Jesus' words with the reality of Jesus himself at the center. Love that. So how are, you going to bind up, how are you going to bind up every thought and take it captive? Like we read earlier, with truth. You're going to do it with truth. So, Everlast, you're going to have to learn some truth. Here's the truth, though. <laughs> I bet most of us can quote 20 movie quotes with their specific reference quicker than we can quote, to quote 20 scriptures. Y'all, this can't be. It can't be. This is a word for me. This is a word for all of us. If you want to fight well, know the word of God well. If you want to fight well, know the word of God well. Lastly, here's the third thing. Change the narrative. I'm stuck. Change what you're thinking about. Y'all, you... you <laughs> You, you get to control the, the, the playlist of your mind. Like you're literally the DJ of your own thoughts. <laughs> you need to take control. Because you have the power of the fitness work of Jesus. No, I, I'm standing on victory. I'm changing the story. I'm changing the story of the battle of my mind. 
Philippians 4a, it's on the screen. Check it out. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, y'all change the narrative. Change the narrative. Let me, let me be real with you. Yesterday, I woke up feeling pretty dadgum inadequate. I really did. I woke up and I was like, ah, ooh, like all these ne- just negative thoughts, all these arrows being shot at me, all these thoughts downloading. But isn't that what the enemy does? The Bible talks really specifically in the passage where the armor of God passage talks about, uh, you know, we extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy with the shield of faith. Y'all, he is a liar that from the get-go tries to put a flag of defeat down. But Jesus put a flag on the ground called victory. Remember, once Eve ate the fruit, y'all, it permanently barricaded. Y'all, it permanently, like permanently barricaded uh, uh, man from reaching p- the potential that, that, that God had for their lives. Unless God made a way, and guess what? He did. I love how the story of... Genesis 3 is it's kind of it's sad honestly it's frustrating in the first few verses it really doesn't end all amazing but but there is a little hope in verse 15 talking about the fruit of what's going to happen God says okay to the land this is what you're going to get God says okay to Adam and Eve this is what you're going to get and then he says to the serpent this is what's coming for you we literally just mentioned a few moments ago, but let's go back to Genesis 3 real quick. Genesis 3 verse 15 says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. That meant not the son of Adam and Eve, but it meant in the line of Adam and Eve. It's amazing. In the line of Adam and Eve um, 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 was going to be someone named Jesus. And that's who was already being spoken about in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that amazing? And he said that there's going to be a war, if you will, between your offspring and her offspring, but here's how the war is going to end. The war is going to end with this. The latter half of uh, Genesis 3.15. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I'm sorry, he shall, yep. You're going to bruise his heel. I, I, I'm so sorry. I typed that wrong. That's, my, that's a typo. That's an awful typo. Genesis 3.15. He shall crush your head. There we go. He shall crush your head. You shall bruise his heel. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's ultimately going to crush your head. Ultimately, here in the first few passages of God's word, here's how it's going to end for you, the enemy. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? The first few pages of God's word. Victory's already planned and won. <laughs> He's going to win the victory by crushing the enemy's head. Everlast, hear me. Jesus isn't in the process of putting the flag in the ground for you. He's not on his way to conquering sin and death. He's done conquering sin and death. He didn't say on the cross, I'm getting close to doing what I came to do. No, 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 no. He said on the cross, it is finished. My work here is done. What you couldn't do, 
I have done. I've stormed the beaches. I created a beachhead for you. You are now free. If you choose to think right, to leave where you are and cross over to the beachhead of victory that I've established for you. You can come right now to that place of victory everlasting. Y'all, let's fight, let's, let's fight smart. Let's, let's, let's wage war well in our mind. Y'all, identify the thought. Bind it or hold it captive with the word of truth. Change the narrative. I honestly like to put it this way. It's, 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 it's a simple phrase that the Lord gave me and I've used many times to help me, you know, in the battle of the mind. It says, think less, pray more. Think less, pray more. I'm going to end with this passage. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray.